0: listening to family rules the podcast on byu radio inspiring ideas inspiring families Hey, everybody. Welcome to Family Rules on BYU Radio. I'm your host, Brooke Walker, teeing up a topic today that arguably—no argument, actually, no argument—it is the most requested, the most hot-button parenting topic of the moment, and that is technology. We're all worried about it. We're all addicted to it. Wherever you fall on the spectrum, no doubt technology and parenting is something that keeps you up at night, especially if you have those preteens and teenagers. I was thinking about it, though, and and I feel like we're in a real really good place of dare i say control let me explain. It's not new. Technology isn't as new or as scary as I feel it was maybe 10, 15 years ago. We have a grip. We have a handle on what it is. I don't know if that means pressure on or pressure off, but at least as parents, I feel like our heads are a little more in the game. We're a little more focused on not just the dangers, but the options and the possibilities. And it's that positive tone of you know technology options and technology possibilities that will lead out in our conversation today. I'm so excited to welcome... Welcome to the conversation, family tech editor, Amy Iverson. Amy is a veteran journalist. Her weekly column keeps all of us up to date on what's new, what's changing on the family tech front. I love this girl for many reasons, but first of all, she's in the game herself. She experiments with apps, she tries out the gadgets, and most importantly, she takes that experience and applies it, downloads it, that's about as techie as I get, downloads it to the home front. She's a straight talker, a straight shooter, I love that, and her enthusiasm for all all of the wonderful devices that make our lives better is contagious. My friend, Amy Iverson, how are you? Hello, good to be here. You're my helpline. I always tell Amy, don't go anywhere. Like when I have a 13-year-old, <laughs> you better still be with me on the airwave and on the, on the dial line. I'll still be keeping up for you. Have you, okay, thank you, selfish, selfish of me. Have (laughs) you ever felt that parenting fear? I mean, you've been in it, you've been an early adapter of a lot of the technology as it's emerged the last decade plus. Did you ever feel that paralyzing fear as a parent yourself?
1: For sure, and that's why I I sometimes think, I don't know how other people are doing it because I am someone who is researching all the time, staying on top of things, and my kids still pull the wool over my eyes (laughs) a lot of times (laughs) and were ahead of me when I felt like I was pretty tech savvy. And so there were some times I felt helpless. There were yeah. times I felt hopeless, but that's when you dig in even more and do your research and figure it out so that you're not just throwing up your hands like might be more easy to do.
0: Do you agree with this idea that there has been a settlement of sorts though, that parents aren't quite as freaked out as maybe we were 10 years ago?
1: I think so. And I think that comes because people who are parents now, like you, who are younger and who had maybe some technology when I'm sorry, they did they were you younger. just call me young? You're younger than me, babe. (laughs) And also, I think that um, kids are more... Cognizant. They're more aware of kind of the dangers. At first it was just like, oh, it's new, 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 gimme, 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 gimme. And now I think they're more like take it or leave it. They're taking the good, maybe leaving more of the bad and not venturing into places that can be dangerous.
0: I agree. I agree with that. In fact, I don't think they'll mind me saying I have two much younger sisters, so 24 years old and 20 years old. And they were kind of hit the hardest, I think. Their group was kind of the guinea pigs. They were sucked into the social media, they were sucked into the Instagram. And they're older now and they have some, I mean, some mature perspective toward the topic. But I think the kids coming up now are a lot more wise. You see teenagers even putting away the cell phone or choosing not to be on social media because of what they see in their peers or because of what they've heard. That's impressive to me.
1: One of my favorite things that happened this year is one of my friend's daughters called me and said, Hey, do you remember? It was actually something I showed on studio five okay. that I used of hers that she had put on her Instagram and it would be embarrassing later in life. Sure. Nothing you know, bad. It was just funny. And she was like, remember that? Like, is there any way could we get that taken down because mm-hmm. I'm applying for jobs? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, if we didn't like link your name to it. So I think it'd be really hard for someone to place that with you, but how smart of her to yeah. be thinking what could make me look dumb yeah <laughs> you know yeah. as I'm applying for jobs across the country. So there's that so maturity. Kids, yeah. And my kids, I have two who are 19 and they really have kind of Backed away from a lot of the social media. They do minimal social media. They do more private conversations on social media, not so much broadcasting to the world as much as maybe even moms
0: do these days, out in the open. Which is still a little. There is a fear factor in that that, that it's happening behind kind of a behind a closed door or behind a curtain, so to speak. Um, but in, in addition to that perspective of jobs and future employers. Additionally, I think kids are looking left and right and seeing their friends—I've at least heard some teenagers say this—seeing their friends buried in their phones, and it's annoying to them. And they don't want to be that friend or be that person. So you hope there's a balance that's shaping out. But to that point about it being more um, behind the scenes or behind closed doors, does that up the ante for parents that they need to open the dialogue or open the conversation a little more freely?
1: Well, like I said, those kids, you know, that I'm talking about of mine are 19. So they're adults now. When you're talking about younger kids, I do think parents do still have to have a little control and a little more like open conversation with their kids about what they are posting in those private messages. Maybe it's something you don't even want to allow your kids to do at a certain age. And so I think it is good, depending on the app, knowing what the possibilities are for private conversations and whether you're allowing them to have private conversations with people they don't know, which, P.S., you shouldn't do. Um, But just making sure that the people they're having those conversations with are real friends and maybe you and other moms get together and you're like, hey, we're checking, right? Yeah, we're checking, We're on top of it. Because um, at certain ages, you do still have to do that, I think.
0: Yeah, you can't be a lazy parent. Right in this age of technology. Well, our goal here on Family Rules, as you know, both on the television show and here on the podcast, is to provide tools that will that will ultimately allow parents to, you know, hit it where it matters, things they can do right now, actionable things they can do um, to get it get a grip or get control of these topics that do kind of keep us up at night sometimes. And technology definitely fits into that. We've got some Family Rules viewer comments, questions actually, that I'll throw out, Amy, and I'd love you to give us both a tool and a rule. So the tool being something like actionable, a gadget or a or a filter or something we can put into practice technically, and then a rule that might shape our household or shape the relationship and allow us to, to open that dialogue that we talked about. So this first listener question is Katrina from Carlisle, Pennsylvania. She wants to know what are the best parental controls for internet browsing and YouTube surfing? Well, I think,
1: first of all, what parents need to do is decide what browser you're going to use. Some people only use Safari. Some people like Opera, whatever you're going to use. Because each of those browsers will have its own controls on it. But when you're talking about most kids, I would say they're doing a couple things. They're on Google Mm -hmm. and they're on YouTube. Both Google and YouTube have some pretty good parental controls. So for tools, Google has something called Safe Search. It's so easy and you can lock it. So that, that does filter out a lot of the things that you don't want kids to happen upon when they're searching Google. But you got to pick your browser and then figure out the controls because they'll each be different. But Google, you can do that. And then on YouTube also, they have some great controls. Um, and there's something called the Family Link app that you can use with, with YouTube. You can make sure your kids are logged in. This is the big one that I think with your kids. This is kind of my rule. Family so Link it's you, called? Family Link. Okay. It's an app. So with your rule, you gotta make it personal for kids. Here's the thing. Kids and us, we all want our internet experience to be personal to us. So Sometimes we like it to know what we like, right? Oh, it knows we like cat videos. Okay. So it's going to keep showing us cat videos. Well, that is mostly going to happen if you're logged in. And then the next time you log in, it knows, right? So if you have your kids log into YouTube, number one, they'll always have those controls Mm -hmm. because if they don't log in, they're not going to have those controls. Mm -hmm. Um, they have to log in, but you kind of talk to them about why that's a good thing to log in, because then it knows the types of things you like, and it will show you more things that you're interested in. Okay. And then also with YouTube, of course, you can set those like time limits and things like that, which is good.
0: And when it comes to controls and limits, I know you're a believer that absolutes don't work. Give us your give us your speech on that.
1: Well, I think I kind of went through this as a parent where I was like, nope, no, 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 right, no, you right. know, <laughs> at the first. And I learned that that's not a good way to be because... Kids um, need technology. I think that you can't be one of those parents who say, Well, you're not having a cell phone until you go to college. I think that's doing your kids a disservice because in today's world, and especially right now, right, with COVID restrictions, we're doing things online. We're doing school online. My school gave all the kids a laptop. They need to know how to work technology. My five-year-old
0: has an iPad from her kindergarten class. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so it behooves us to learn about that. So we learn more about it. We know what's good. We know what's iffy. As parents, so that we can help our kids use it wisely, not just
0: say no, because we're scared of the possibility. Yeah, I appreciate that. I love this next question from Catherine Alvarez. She lives in Orange County, California. And I think, her, I think her thought line is really insightful. She wants to know your opinion on this. What's the definition, Amy, of screen time? Does it count if you're interactive about it, like FaceTime with family or if you're singing a Sesame Street song together while you're watching the screen, I mean, we hear we hear an actual time stamp put on these recommendations for screen time. So parents are hypersensitive. How do you count those minutes? What does screen time mean to you?
1: Again, this is going to be very personal, but I kind of go back to I remember when my kids were little, the baby Einstein videos yeah. were huge. And the big thing was that if you actually watched it at the beginning, she was saying, these are things for you to do with your children. Sit down in front of the TV with them and learn together. I think the same thing applies here. This is one of those times where you can't have absolutes, right? Because it's going to be different. If you sit down together as a family and watch a movie, is their screen time up for the entire day? you have to decide, what am I considering screen time? If it's educational, does that count against the time limits I'm giving them? And again, this is something I did at the beginning where I said, you have one hour, that's it, you know? But then I was like, oh, but if they want to watch a movie, then they don't get to do anything else. Right. So you, you just have to decide that on your own. And the thing is, is every one of the consoles, the video game consoles, the YouTube, everything will have time limits on it. So if you do say... Um, I only want them doing TikTok for 20 minutes a day. You said that right on their mm-hmm. phone. And then if you only want them to be able to play video games for a certain amount of, of time. And that is something that's going to take time for parents. And a lot of times we're like, ugh, yeah. You don't again, even you can't be that it. lazy
0: parent. I know that's work.
1: But you gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta, gotta do it. it. And it might be different for each kid depending on their age and depending on their maturity level. Sure. It's just something parents I think will know as they think about it with their kids. And then do it with your kids because you might be surprised if you say okay how much time do you do you need every day on video games and where you were maybe going to say an hour they may say I think like 30 minutes, you might be surprised that they're going to go less than what you would have thought. And yay for you.
0: A phrase that you will hear me say in my own home multiple times a day is we share screens. And it's for the reasons that you just talked about. I feel so much better if my five-year-old and my three-year-old are cuddled up together on the couch and they're taking turns or playing a game. That is totally different. Again, I know this is personal, but totally different in my mind than if my five-year-old's going one-on-one with a device and blocking out the rest of the world. So I say that all the time. We share screens. share screens because to me, if they're talking and laughing and engaging, it takes away from, I don't know, the limitations or the isolation of quote unquote screen time.
1: No, I think that's genius because they're building memories together. You can build a memory around something like that. You can build a memory around a parent playing a video game with their child. You know, when I went down and tried to learn how to play Fortnite when that first came out, I mean, that was a memory that we made together. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not good at it, but I tried to learn.
0: (laughs) Do we have video of Amy's... Fortnite dances. (laughs) Isn't that the thing?
1: Oh yeah. I tried some of the dances you don't want to see.
0: All right. You mentioned video games. We had several, many questions actually on the topic of how to manage kids' tendencies to overload on media, especially video games. So some of those questions included how to explain to my kids why too much is bad. How can I keep them from getting addicted? I think Megan Ballard from Salem, Utah, summed it up with a direct question, how to regulate video games. So what are your thoughts, Amy, on the video game concern?
1: Well, there's several facets to this. Um, So one, the very first thing you have to do, I think, and especially probably a lot of people got video game consoles for Christmas, right? So you need to sit down with your kids. This is a good first week of the year activity to do with your family. And sit down and just talk about kind of your goals and limitations that you want to have for screen time for this year. And um, each kid can kind of do that. An important thing, I think, is to then put it in some sort of visual form so that everyone remembers that that's what you agreed to right so it's there's no arguing later when you say oh remembering said we're just you're like prefer
0: to said document taped (laughs) to fridge and circled in yellow
1: (laughs) yes and depending on the age of your kids that's maybe could be a digital document that you just share with everybody or yeah you stick it on your fridge. I like that idea. Include everyone on those things and parents too, right? Um, I think one of the biggest problems these days is parents can be hypocrites when it comes to these Mm. things. And we say, you know, no phones at dinner, and then we're doing work stuff at dinner. And I think that some parents will say, well, I'm the parent. That's my prerogative. Yeah, it is. But I don't think that's giving a good message to your kids. You should be able to show that you're willing to have the same, I don't know if even limitations is the right word, but the same respect for others' time and uh, that you want them to have for others. Well said. So that's the first thing you should do.
0: It brings up the question of balance too, which I know you're a big you're a big advocate of just just uh, practicing and promoting this balance within the home.
1: Yeah, because I think a lot of times what happens is parents will say, "Okay, get off the get off your phone, get off your phone, get off the video games," and then kids are like, Ugh. "And I know that we as parents want to believe that." They have a million ideas in their heads of other things to do, but sometimes they don't. And especially with younger kids, you have to be ready with other ideas for them. Yeah. Okay. We're done with screen time now here. Here's some Legos. Or when they're older, have other ideas. Even my 14-year-old, I, I have struggles sometimes going, what else would you want to do? Yeah. How about we do this? How about we do this? And I might come up with 50 no's before I get a Yes but I think it is important for parents to have other ideas for kids. Like and then that. you talk about why those things are important. And then those are things that you can do together too. So if you're saying, oh, it's important that you get some exercise, you know, maybe you guys go shoot hoops together or you go for a walk together. That's when I keep trying to get my 14 year old to do. He <laughs> never wants to go like, for a walk. Like little one-two around the block. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but maybe he will let me be a rebounder for him as he practices <laughs> basketball or whatever, you know, but And then you talk about quiet time, you talk about family time. Um, And again, interactive, I think like you said, with your girls, better don't be too stingy about it. If yeah. they are having fun and the time runs out, maybe it's okay to let them have another five minutes, right? No, it's
0: reasonable. It's balanced. And you're right. You got to read the room and do what's right for your kid in the moment. Uh, lastly, we got a lot of questions about when, like when is a good time to introduce a cell phone? And this this particular um, listener, Martha from Mapleton, Utah, specified a cell phone for communication, not necessar- necessarily for social media use. When's a good time to introduce a cell phone for a child? Do you have a golden age, Amy?
1: There's no golden age because I think what works for one family may not work for another. My, my decision was, when are my kids ever without a, a parent or a guardian that they might need a phone? Mm-hmm. Because up until my kids were about 12, I was always with them. Yeah. I, it's not like I left them somewhere. And so um, for me, it was when my kids turned 12. But if you're a single parent and your child maybe has to come home alone after school, that's going to be a different situation. They, You might want them to have a phone. Mm-hmm. And these days when people don't have home phones a lot of times... So I, I don't think you can or should set a hard and fast age. It's going to be different for every family, different for every kid. But you also have to think how... Um, responsible is my kid. And so I always say start with a flip phone or I, they're hard to find actually these days. Really? But you can start with something that doesn't have internet capability. Okay. If you just need it for those contacts. See how they do with that. And then with each app that you let them add in, Both Android and iPhones have this capability where they have to ask a parent before they add an app. You don't want them just adding random apps. Mm -hmm. Um, Then with each app that they want to add, you decide if they're ready for that. You have to do your research. You get on it. I'm still not like the best at Snapchat, although I'm trying because um, I had to decide whether or not that was going to be appropriate for my kids at what age. But you have to try those apps. You can't just be someone like, oh, I don't get how TikTok works. Like, If you're going to let your kid have it, you need to get on there and play and kind of see what what kind of things you need to watch out to for. To fiddle around, but you could just yourself. decide with each app. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Molly Hunter from Newport News, Virginia, as far as the when question, wrote in saying, "When's a good age for social media?" Now, most most social media platforms have an age recommendation, right? Well,
1: yeah, it's actually law. So it's funny, I have um, hooked to my calendar. Like, I don't know what social media app it's hooked to, but it will tell me when people's birthdays are. Mm-hmm. And a kid down the street who is 16, I think, it popped up and said, so-and-so's 21st birthday is coming. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that mm. means he like joined when he was a little too young. But the thing is, is, this is what I think. The people making these rules for ages for our kids to get on things probably don't even probably are a little more lenient than I am so I kind of take that as a minimum like okay the internet says 13 you know government says 13 for social media so for me that was a minimum that was a great way though to put off my kids sure I'm like it's the law it's the law 13 <laughs> wish I could. And it really but. is
0: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it
1: really is and so I think also as parents when we talk about that, let's not like, I don't allow kids who are under 13 to add me on mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. Cause I've seen that and I'm like, Mm-mm. you know, I'm not going to tattle and I'm not going to do anything like that, but I'm not going to let them be on my social media. So engage. 13 is the law. Yeah, And then after that, so for my older kids, like with Snapchat, I didn't let them get on until 16, but since then they have put in some controls. So that's what's happening with a lot of these apps is they're seeing that parents do want a little more control mm-hmm. and they're giving it to us, mm-hmm. which is really great. So some apps that I was a little more strict with my older kids, which they will remind me all the time, <laughs> I may be not quite as strict you know, now with my younger. Because you
0: feel more comfortable based on those controls. Yes, yeah. I
1: can have those yeah. controls. Yeah.
0: How do you avoid an us versus them mentality when it comes to, I mean, technology, but specifically social media? It feels like there's this constant headbutt battle happening in homes. Is there a way to lighten that up or loosen that up?
1: I think two things. One is the one we talked about earlier, including your kids in setting limits. Hmm so that they feel like they have some sense of ownership over what those restrictions are. Yeah, And then the second thing also we talked about, which is no hypocrisy on parents' part. I mean, think of it like food. If you told your kids like, Okay, you can only have like one sweet a day, but you're over there gorging on pies and cookies all day while yeah. they're eating carrot sticks. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that. So if we're telling our kids, oh, it's it's just not good for you to be on video games this, many t- this long of a day, and it's not good for you to be texting during dinner, it's not good, but then you're doing it. Mm-hmm. That sends a really mixed message to the kids. And mm-hmm. so I think that's maybe the hardest for parents, but one sure. that we have to get used to. Like, if it's not good for them, is it good for me? Um, if I can't allow them to be on their phone during this time, maybe I need a break too during the day where I'm not on technology. And that's really hard for us when we're justifying it because it's work. Right. Um, but I think it's good for all of us to have those breaks.
0: This question is a little bit of a left turn, but I am curious to know if you'll indulge me here. We, we don't seem to hear as much about pornography popping up unexpectedly. Like, I think seven to 10 years ago, that was the fear is that they're going to unknowingly stumble into a, a chat room or a website that's inappropriate. We're not hearing a lot about that anymore. Has that changed? Is that still a concern? What are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I think it has changed because of the addition of so many controls that parents can have over things. Okay. I think that was happening a lot in gaming and on YouTube. And so, if parents are being smart and putting those um, locks on YouTube and then also making sure they're not talking to strangers, or and I also think kids are getting more smart about not clicking on things that
0: pop up, don't you? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Because at
1: first, kids weren't sure. And now I think we ingrate it in our kids like you never click on something that pops up. And, um, and yeah, so I think that, that websites are helping us. I think that parental controls are helping us. And I think that just generationally parents have become so much more comfortable talking to their kids about Mm -hmm. that and saying, you know, if something does come up, come talk to me, like, don't, click anything, just come talk to me. And I just think that we as parents too have gotten so much better about talking to our kids about it. I agree. That it hasn't become something that
0: is hidden as much. Yeah. And I hope people don't misunderstand when I reference a settlement or like a a little bit of a relief that parents are feeling. It's not a let your foot off the gas moment for sure. And I think you've emphasized that just that we have to dig in. We have to try the apps. We have to know the technology ourselves. Uh, 2020 kind of forced us into this technology space, right? This corner where parents... Maybe they were forced to get a little more comfortable with technology. Do you see any changes or evolution coming out of the pandemic that you think might help make technology more of a positive thing within families?
1: Well, I think if anything, what I've kind of heard out there is that people are almost like sick of their screens. Like, I think it almost did this yes. nice thing where people are like, I have watched so much television. Uh-huh. I don't know what to do. Or I don't want to do one
0: more Zoom. I want to pick up the phone. I want to look you in the eyeballs. I mean, it has really changed our taste, hasn't it?
1: But I do think with kids, like I noticed with my middle schooler, he, you know, he can be on Zoom with his friends, but he wants that personal face-to-face, which is so great, right? Because we heard the scares for years about kids don't know how to communicate face-to-face. They only know how to text. I haven't seen that at all. What I've seen is they've done the technology. We get it. It's fine. It doesn't replace having face-to-face. And I've seen that with him and his friends. I've seen that with family, Mm -hmm. family wanting that face-to-face, which I think is fantastic. I mean, so thankful for technology that gives us the opportunity to talk and to communicate and to see each other when we haven't been able to. Mm -hmm. But I think if anything, this has left everyone with a yearning for face-to-face and touch-to-touch and being in person, which is going to be great someday,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, someday, one day, hopefully soon, (laughs) not knowing when people are listening to this conversation. Hopefully we're already there. This be my last question, Amy. You've been so gracious with your time. Do you see technology plateauing at all? Like, we're going to live in this tech space for a while with the chats and with the FaceTimes, or do you continue to see technology to be this uphill climb that's constantly changing, constantly evolving, and parents are going to have to keep up?
1: I think the advancement in technology is going to be exponential. Mm-hmm. I think with the more technology that we see, it's just going to build and build and build, and it's going to become more of a second nature. Something that I really appreciated over this Christmas break, two things when it happened to me, I tried to integrate everything into my calendar. So my family went to dinner, we sat down, and my phone said, Oh, I see you're at dinner. We're turning everything on Do Not Disturb for two hours. Oh. And I was like, I love that. Thank uh-huh. you. And then we went to Wonder Woman and on Christmas Day. And same thing. My phone said, oh, you're going to a movie. I'm turning everything on Do Not Disturb. I love that. I know some people get nervous about privacy issues. Oh, I don't want them knowing I'm um, at dinner. I was fine with them knowing I was at dinner. I loved that they put me on Do Not Disturb. And why not just have that be helpful to everyone in our family to give us that face time to turn itself off for us. I mean, for a technology company or any company to say, I'm disengaging so that you can have some great family time. I mean, I think that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Oh, I think you're awesome, Amy Iverson. I don't say that lightly or tritely. You're the best of the best. Where can we get more tech advice from you?
1: Well, every week, Deseret.com slash Amy. I'm writing lots of fun things about tech and how it helps your family.
0: Really appreciate your optimism and your perspective and the way, as I said, you roll up your sleeves and get in there for us. We're all better because of it. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Brooke. You've been listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. Today's topic, family tech in the home. If you liked this conversation, if it was helpful to you, we'd invite you to subscribe, rate, or review wherever you get podcasts. And of course, there are a lot of companion episodes and topics on BYU TV, the Family Rules TV show. You can dial up past episodes, too, on BYUtv.org. And of course, we're all over social media. So come find us. We'd love to engage, and we sincerely would appreciate your feedback on the types of conversations and family topics that we're putting out there. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.
1: Family Rules, the podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.